you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. And welcome, everybody, to The Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. You have to admit that's impressive by me. Thank you. Uh, just giving myself a compliment off the top. I was on the drum solo right there that you heard, and now I'm at the microphone. Boom, lickety split. You got to be quick. Got to be nimble. Uh, I pulled a hamstring in the process. I'll be fine. But look, it's the perils of podcasting. I mean, this is a tough, physically intense job, and sometimes the hamstring is going to get pulled. All right, we're going to get angry today on the podcast, and, and not because I can't go to an in-person all-you-can-eat buffet. Uh, by the way, I'm totally detoxing on that situation. Uh, and it's also not because I'm almost done binge-watching Jane the Virgin. That's got me bummed for sure. I'm talking, though, about anger that is building in churches across America. And now, the podcast warning. I'm going to use the following word on the podcast today, and now if there is a child under 10 years old near this podcast who can hear my voice, please cover his or her ears, because here is the word. Are you ready? I'm giving you a three, two, one of this. Three, two, one. Hell. Actually, three words. Sorry, let's do that again. Three, two, one. Mad as hell. I'm sorry, I said it, I know, I know, I'm going to need an evangelical get-out-of-jail-free card, but I went there. All right, why did I say it? This is what we're going to talk about on the podcast today, because churches are beginning to get mad as hell about all the restrictions placed on houses of worship by states across the country. They are basically fed up. It reminds me of the guy in the movie Network. Remember that one? Uh, by the way, millennials and Gen Zers, go ahead and look it up or Google it. Uh, here's a quick clip from the classic scene in Network. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Well, there he is. Uh, he, he was mad as hell. He wasn't going to take it anymore. And, and here's the bottom line. Churches and pastors, for the most part, are willing to go along with the public health and safety guidelines. That's fine. And all those restrictions put in place by state officials. But that was at the beginning of this coronavirus pandemic. Now, folks, look, it's been two months and to quote the classic Donna Summer, Barbara Streisand, hit song of 1979, I know you love it, I should play it, we're not going to play it, don't worry, I won't stress you out. But here's what they said, enough is enough is enough, I can't go on, I can't go on no more. No, enough is enough is enough. Thank you very much. I didn't sing it, but those are the lyrics. Because in essence, folks, the churches are saying it's time to take back our First Amendment rights. Enough is enough. We've been nice, but we ain't playing anymore. I mean, look what's happening. For example, in Illinois, the governor there says he's going to continue to ban public gatherings of more than 50 people, including newsflash, ding, 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 religious services until a vaccine or treatment for coronavirus is available. Huh? What in the world? 
So maybe up until the end of the year, I'm sorry, maybe 18 months from now, we have no idea when there's going to be a vaccine or treatment. In California, for example, Governor Gavin Newsom has listed churches as part of this uh, part of this third stage of reopening, uh, which means it could be months before churches are permitted. And I've got to tell you, out in California, thousands of pastors are planning to open their doors uh, later this month uh, for group worship. They say, forget the restrictions at this point. We're going back to work, if you will, uh, in the pews. And then in Mississippi, just this past Wednesday, members of a church down there actually received a $500 fine for, get this, sitting in their cars in a parking lot while listening to their church's sermon on the radio. That's right. I said it. I don't need to say it again. Full stop. Look, despite lockdown orders, uh, there's a mega church pastor, Brian Gibson, and he just announced in-person services in his Texas and Kentucky churches this weekend. He's asking pastors nationwide to join him for something called Peaceably Gather Sunday. And by the way, the First Liberty Institute's going to defend Gibson's constitutional rights should any challenges arise. And so we're going to talk to Pastor Gibson on the podcast today. Uh, Look, folks, pastors are starting to rise up. They're coming to this conclusion. What's going on has gone on long enough. And in essence, this is a deliberate slap in the face of religious freedom. All right. Look, let's be honest, right? You can go to Costco, you can go to Walmart, you got hundreds of people inside the building at any one time. But when it comes to places of worship, People of faith can't do the same without sensible safety procedures. That's the point that these pastors and churches are trying to make. They're saying, look, we're not just trying to go rogue. You know, everybody come in, uh, come as you are and start shaking everybody's hands and giving kisses on the cheek. No, none of that. They're going to do smart safety procedures. Anyhow, that's the crux of the argument. We're going to get into it more now with one of those pastors I talked about who's leading the fight. This is Pastor Brian Gibson. He's senior pastor of his church. No, now, folks, it's not his church. It's Jesus's church. But the name of the church is called his church. It's a non-denominational church. It's got congregations in Owensboro, Kentucky, also Henderson, Kentucky. Uh, They also have churches in Amarillo, Texas and Dumas, Texas. Uh, And so he announced this week that in-person services will be held this Sunday, May 17th, at those churches in Kentucky and Texas. He's asking pastors nationwide to join him for this Peaceably Gather Sunday. There's a petition for them to to join in. We'll get into more of that in a moment. Uh, By the way, uh, they even got uh, First Liberty Institute, like I said, to defend Gibson's constitutional rights should any challenges arise. So that's very interesting. All right, let's get to this interview. Here is Pastor Brian Gibson saying, as Donna Summer and Barbara Streisand would say, enough is enough. Pastor Gibson, thanks for taking your a moment and doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Well, David, it's an honor to be on here with you. It's real privilege. And uh, thank you for inviting me. Well, let's talk about uh, this whole idea of coronavirus and the churches and how the church kind of gets back into the swing of things, if you will. Uh, you have come up with this idea of getting back into church this Sunday. I want you to talk about this effort uh, all across the country. And it seems like you're trying to strike a middle ground here. Explain a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, when, whenever uh, the coronavirus hit America, just like everybody else, nobody knew exactly what this thing was. Uh, we knew the, the predictions were terrible at the beginning. And I just want to take a moment and thank God that as many lives were not lost as were first predicted, because it, it, it's still any loss of life is terrible. But we heard numbers like maybe three, maybe 4%, maybe 1% uh, death loss in America. So that made um, what I would say level-headed faith leaders 
take a real look at it and to be a good neighbor and to care for one another. We took all of our campuses. We have four campuses. We took them all online because we wanted to protect our people. But then as the, the story kind of played out and uh, things weren't the way it was maybe predicted, the predictions came down. And I praise God for that because I don't want to see any Americans suffer or any of our church people suffer. But as the predictions came down, the restrictions didn't seem to become laxed at all on the church. As a matter of fact, we started to see restrictions go down in other areas, but the church is still on lockdown in, in America. And it just didn't seem uh, equitable, didn't seem fair. So uh, we came up with the idea of calling every pastor, every, and it's past just Christians, it's religious freedom for all of America, mm-hmm. calling every rabbi, every Muslim leader, every other religious leader to bring your people back to your church, uh, to your house of worship and celebrate your First Amendment rights. So that, that's kind of how we got where we are today. So what will happen exactly? You'll start uh, services again on Sunday, but it seems like it's going to be a little different, right? What's this middle ground? I mean, it's, you know, for example, you you, you say the final benediction and then normally everybody gets up and leaves. Uh, it won't necessarily be like that this time around, right? No, sir. It'll, it'll be totally different. As a matter of fact, we're giving um, our people three complete different options on how they're going to worship this Sunday morning. And the first option, we're encouraging those that have pre-existing conditions or maybe they're, they're the elderly, uh, watch online. We, we want to care for you. Uh, it's not about everybody making a wild faith march. It's about right. caring for people and protecting the Constitution. Uh, the second deal we have is you can come, you can watch in the parking lot. We'll bring you prepackaged communion right to your car in gloves and masks. And then the third option is you can come into the sanctuary, set socially distanced. Our ushers will be in gloves and masks. Uh, and then when we release the people, you won't just normally it's a God bless you. We'll see you next week. And everybody runs to the restaurant, right? Uh, this will be like releasing a funeral or releasing a wedding. It's one row at a time. And we urge the people to, to go ahead and exit and go out to the cars because we want to ensure everybody's safety. But Benjamin Franklin, he said this. He said, anyone who will lay down essential liberties for momentary safety deserves neither liberty nor safety. Mm-hmm. And I think we're at a place where you have to strike a balance because we're, we're headed towards a constitutional crisis right now. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you all about the Constitution and the concern about First Amendment rights and and, and this idea that, uh, in essence, to a degree, we seem in a way that government is starting to become God to a lot of folks. In other words, this this idea that there could be some tyrants out there, if you will, that say, look, the, the governor of Illinois says we might not have church for another year, year and a half. So so how, how concerned are you about some people out there that might not use this for uh, for good necessarily. It's not just about public safety, but uh, some nefarious motives. Oh, I'm, I'm very concerned about that, as well as most of the pastors that I talk to around America. Uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm, have churches in Kentucky and also in Texas. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky has been uh, very, very strict. And uh, Governor Bashir there has, has not been favorable towards the church. Uh, in Texas, it's been a totally different story. My dear friends in Illinois, they're looking at them saying 50 people is all you can have until a vaccination comes, you know, is, is developed. Uh, California's saying a year. Maine is saying a year. Some guys are calling for 18 months. So you think about someone wield, yielding that kind of power and being able to say, hey, we're shutting the world down. 
we're shutting your church down. Uh, so there's been some governors that, that I really appreciate what they've done. I just heard yesterday the governor of Utah, instead of uh, abusing his power and abusing the Constitution, he asked and, and strongly urged the citizens of Utah to consider and to take these measures. And, and so they have about, you know, they, they've had similar results as everybody else or maybe a little better. Uh, you know, I'm not a statistician, not a medical guy, but I've talked to friends in Utah and they say, well, there's been responses way on one side, responses way on the other. But most of the people really were, um, they were, they were blessed by the fact that they were asked to do it instead of having their rights trampled on. And so uh, my message to the governors and politicians, it's just, it's like this, it's a message of honor. At our church, we teach this, and it rhymes, so preachers do this. It's honor up, right? Because you want the kids to remember. Honor down, honor all the way around. Honor those that lead you, honor those that are peers, and honor those that you are leading. And then that breeds respect. But whenever somebody is, is talking to you and taking away your rights, and it's dishonoring, right? It never works out. And I think we'll see that in the next election cycle. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you about the statement you were trying to make here, because the governor of Kentucky was, in essence, at, at some point, he was going to allow churches to start one on the 20th of the month, but you're going back to the 17th, three days before. So well, what were you, what message were you trying to send exactly? Well, some people would say, hey, does three days matter? And I would say three days is a massive statement, because it's a statement to the governor that, that you can't step past our constitutional bounds. That, that at first we were willing to be measured because we want to protect everyone, right? We're, we're in the, Jesus is in the healing business, loving and caring business. We don't want to see anybody injured. But now it's like the First Amendment is being ran over roughshod. Uh, there, there's all of these other places that are open for business. I walked into a Kroger down in Paducah, Kentucky, and, and the girl at the door said, we're trying to keep it under 350 people inside the grocery store. And so I looked at the building. I could tell it was smaller than our Owensboro, Kentucky location. I got online and they were doing, Kroger was doing about one person for 120 square feet uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. Wow. According to that math, I could have 414 people in my building and be the same way. Now I got a family of three, uh, three kids. There's five of us all together. Um, for us to shop for our family, it's at least an hour. My wife says, how can you say that you've only shopped two times in your life? But, but <laughs> so, so pray for her. But um, it, we just want to see at least an equity in what they're asking about. And, and then I think people would be more cooperative. So that's why we're, that's why we're going back. That's why we're urging pastors to peaceably gather mm. um, and asking them to go sign a petition to go with us to peaceablygather.com and say, I'll take the church back. And we're saying, hey, come this weekend. But if you can't come this weekend, Get your, get your ducks in a row, right? Uh, get ready and come back and don't let the government dictate to you what your fundamental American rights are. It's time to stand up for liberty. What kind of response have you had to the petition so far? You know, we've, had, we've got churches coming on now from many different states. It just went up this, uh, wow, it's, it's such a, such a uh, quick time. I think it went up yesterday. Yeah. And so right now we have, uh, we got Texas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alaska, Hawaii, Illinois, Montana. I haven't looked at the list recent, yeah. recently, but Florida, because I've been, I've been doing interviews, but they're coming on quickly. 
Let me ask you this. Was there a turning point for you? I mean, you know, I know at the beginning churches, like your church, I mean, you were online, obviously, for a while. There were many churches, and it, it seemed like, look, we're going to go ahead and listen to what the government has to say, and we'll, we'll go ahead and work on the public safety aspect of this. But was there a time, at, at some point, did you say, hey, look, enough is enough? What was the delineation point? Was there a moment, was there an event that got you to a place where you are today, Pastor? Yes, sir. There was definitely an aha or a light bulb moment. And it was around Easter. And, um, you know, Easter's come on. It's the Super Bowl of Sundays for, <laughs> for Christians all across the world, right? And it's one of those times where a lot of the world, um, outside of our faith communities, gets to hear the message of Jesus. Mm -hmm. so, so losing an Easter is massive in all of our minds because we don't know who's going to have a next Easter. Mm -hmm. And so, so uh, we were thinking about the kids. We did Easter online. It went, it went great. But what can we do for the kids? Because the kids, uh, I think about how their world has been rocked. Mm -hmm. you think, think about this. Their, their world's so rocked that they don't go back to school. They're not seeing their friends. They're hearing scary predictions online. Maybe they have older family members they're concerned about. We're like, hey, we'll do a drive-through giveaway of Easter eggs and candy to kids. Nobody will get out of the car. Uh, everybody will be gloved and masked. The eggs were prepared and set for five days to make sure they were sterile. Hmm. And on the day of the, the event, been advertised heavily, uh, the health department calls, tells me I can't have that event. And if I try to have it, they'll, they'll shut me down. Hmm. Man, I, I complied at the time. I wish that I wouldn't, looking back, because the people of our congregation, they were standing in the parking lot and they're looking across the road from our church. In all the fast food places, there's kids working there that are putting fries in boxes. The liquor store was open serving its patrons. Hmm. Uh, right down the road at the, at the coffee shop, they're pushing out lattes and breves. And the message from the government and the health department was, the kid at the fast food store, we can trust him. Mm -hmm. But the church can't be trusted to, to hand out communion or, or, or Easter eggs or whatever it is you were handing out. And I just thought it was such an unfair application that we responded. I believe this. I believe that Jesus, without a shadow of a doubt, I serve Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he is the lamb, but he's also the lion. You've got to learn when to be the lamb, right? When to be meek, when to be quiet, when to, when to let the other, uh, other person have their way. But you also have to learn when to be the lion. When does the lion of the tribe of Judah stand up and roar and proclaim? And so I didn't want to put anybody in uh, harm's way, but I did want to exercise our constitutional rights. So I went to the parking lot after that, uh, defied the governor's orders, and we passed out communion to people on the parking lot in a safe, social distance way. And I'll tell you, it was a beautiful thing to receive communion with my, my brothers that have been told they couldn't do that, my sisters that were told they couldn't assemble, peaceably assemble, mm -hmm. which is a First Amendment right. And uh, we got together in a safe way, and we celebrated the Lord's table. Uh, it was a great day. Yeah, that sounds great. Hey, listen, uh, are you ready for the pushback? Because you know that if this coronavirus thing uh, starts, I don't want to say it comes back because it's still around, but uh, sure. if it starts to get worse and, you know, God forbid uh, that there is some sort of big outbreak in a mega church or your church or some church. I mean, there's going to be a lot of criticism that comes with that for people saying, hey, you went too soon and look what happened. So are, are you kind of ready to kind of have to deal with that? Uh, yes, sir. We, we, we certainly have counted the cost. Uh, we, we look at what that is. And, and we're just not willing to lay down our religious liberties. Mm -hmm. And in most of these towns, if you watch, 
uh, the way people are moving right now, that they're full of the grocery stores, right? The, the Home Depots, the Lowe's, all of those kind of places, many people in those, in those areas. But it's funny that most of the outbreaks in the state of Kentucky, they always, when they talked about it at night, they pointed at a church. So I know that's going to happen. And um, we'll always have our critics, but I don't believe it's worth losing our constitutional rights just to stop from being criticized. So we're, we're, we're willing to, uh, to do that for America, to do that for religious liberty, for, for freedom. And, and the great thing about America is that we have the right to disagree. And that's all right there in the First Amendment. And so whoever disagrees and pushes back against me, I just celebrate that as American and thank God uh, for them that we have this freedom in this nation. It's, it's a blessing. You know, before we wrap up, uh, not to quote a Broadway show uh, during a, uh, a talk with a pastor, but Hairspray comes to mind where they had that uh, song, You Can't Stop the Beat. Uh, and it seems like with churches all across the country that that's exactly what we're starting to see. Uh, you just can't stop the beat. We've seen in California, many other places, uh, pastors like yourself in Kentucky and Texas coming together and saying enough is enough. Is, is that where the church is, you think, at this moment? I do believe the tide is turning, and I'm thinking about the 80s hair band song, We're Not Going to Take It Anymore, right? <laughs> Boy, uh, we're really so, going pop culture. Yeah, yeah, we're going pop culture right now. So I'm, I'm thinking about that, and yes, uh, I see what my brethren are doing in California. I hear about other movements uh, around uh, the nation, and I really think it's, it's logical now. Uh, pastors and religious leaders are looking and saying, why can these services go, but church is not essential? Church is essential. So essential, it's protected in the First Amendment. And people are going to start to organize, uh, preachers, pastors, men and women, leaders around the nation. There's going to be a move back. And, and I encourage that, them to take that move sooner than later, but do it in a measured, wise, safe way. Come on, it's time to be the line, but let's be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. A lot of lines back in the Revolutionary War day, the Black Robe Regiment, where pastors were speaking from the pulpit. Sounds like we, we need a new Black Robe Regiment to rise up. Yes, sir. I believe, I believe uh, if you look at, at the protection of our Constitution and the founding of America in general, mm -hmm. the preachers led the charge. Mm -hmm. And we live in America where many people think a preacher can't touch that anymore. A pastor can't touch that. Listen, that's not my prime time. Right. My prime time is teaching Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm a pastor first, but I'm also a patriot and we enjoy the greatest religious freedoms in the world. I've ministered around the world. I've ministered to the persecuted church. We don't want our voice to be silenced and we better stand up. Uh, so if any pastor wants to come with me and stand up right now, I encourage you to go to peaceablygather.com and sign the petition. Pastor Gibson, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for being so eloquent on the issue. I wish you good luck and everybody down there in Kentucky. Hey, it was an honor. Thank you. God bless you and everyone watching. Well, that is Pastor Brian Gibson here on The Pod's Honest Truth. Look, it all makes sense to me. I mean, he's not going all Mel Gibson Braveheart or anything in a skirt. Not that the pastor would want to wear a skirt, but you get the idea. He's trying to strike a sensible middle ground here. It's an attempt to balance health and safety along with our constitutional rights. Duh, full stop. By the way, speaking of our constitutional rights, coming next, an interview with Rick Green from the Patriot Academy, the constitutional coach, he says Americans, especially younger Americans, that younger generation, they've lost their way when it comes to understanding basic constitutional rights and what that means in this day and age of coronavirus. We're back in a moment on The Pod's Honest Truth. 
Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth. Time now for our interview with Rick Green. He is head of Constitution Coach, a Texas-based nonprofit that educates Americans on their basic constitutional rights. He's part of the Patriot Academy down there in Texas. Uh, so he's got quite a bit to say about constitutional rights and the fact that we really have uh, lost our way in this country. As you might imagine, he has a few things to say about the erosion of those rights during this coronavirus pandemic. Here is Rick Green. Rick Green, great to see you, sir, uh, over there at the Patriot Academy. Hope you're doing well. Hey, David, thanks for having me, man. Good to be with you. Well, look, uh, let's just get right to it. Constitutional coach, right? I mean, come on, uh, uh, tell me about churches and the coronavirus. And we now see this this uh, organization, I shouldn't say organization, but this ability to organize all these churches to say, look, we're going to peacefully assemble. Enough is enough here. Right. Uh, yeah. What's your sense about whether or not uh, the tide is turning here and churches are really starting to wake up to all this? I think it is, without a doubt. I mean, we're getting calls every day, and and pastors have they've been asking from the beginning, what can we do, what what should we do? And most people said, look, in the beginning when we didn't know what was going to happen, we want to do whatever it takes to to protect the health of our parishioners. That made sense. But you know, a weekend, two weeks in, we start getting data that's saying, look, the 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 necessary, you know, what we would call a compelling interest for the state to actually shut us down is no longer a compelling interest. So the danger now that I think people are waking up to. Well, I believe the most dangerous pandemic in the country is actually a virus of tyrannical orders. I mean, this is spreading across the country so fast. Who would have thought that we would wake up and see pastors being arrested, you know, churchgoers being tracked and fined and harassed, the economy in shambles? Um, I, have, I never dreamed I would see almost every basic constitutional right being trampled almost on a daily basis. We're talking religion, speech, protest, travel, due process, even Fifth Amendment's, you know, takings clause, all of it. Virtually no part of the Constitution is being left unscathed. And it's because we have, you know, the nature of man is to seize power and we have leaders drunk on power right now. So where are we in terms of a middle ground here? I mean, are, are, are you of the view constitutionally and otherwise that this shouldn't even happen in the first place? Or do you uh, see some of this idea that, look, safety and the public safety was important to begin with, and uh, we needed to kind of figure out what was going on. But once we had more information, then we moved to a different phase. Where, where were you from a constitutional perspective on this uh, as it relates to kind of phasing this back in? 
Yeah. This is not something the founders would have never thought of. They, they dealt with yellow fever. They dealt with smallpox. Uh, they believed government had a role in, in a situation like this, but definitely limited. And, and so you never saw ever in our history did we see statewide orders forcing everyone to stay home, quarantining the healthy instead of the sick. We've never seen anything like this before. Now, because we don't know our history, because of our lack of civics, we, we think that and we bought the lie from the media that we're just doing the same thing we did in 1918. This is no different than how we dealt with the Spanish flu. It's not true. Even with the Spanish flu being 25 times more deadly than what we're dealing with, we did not shut down entire states. We did not shut down economies. Uh, yes, uh, certainly. We all agree if there's a 50% mortality situation like Ebola, absolutely. Government needs to step in and keep us from, you know, someone with that spreading it. And we would all agree that there's a constitutional role for government to do that. The problem is there is not a compelling interest at this point. There, none of these orders are what we would call narrowly tailored. They're not least restrictive. They're just broad based and therefore they are violating our, our constitutional rights. So I, I come from the perspective of even in the beginning of this, I, I started making videos on you know constitution and the quarantines. What's constitutional, what's not, how far can, can government go? We've never gone this far. I, I don't think there's any doubt that the courts, and, and they're already slapping it down. I mean, we're seeing judge after judge say, this is the very definition of tyranny. You know, th th you can't tell a church not to meet when you're letting Walmart meet. Uh, you know, pastors can can exercise as much common sense as the manager at, at, at Walmart is. Um, so, you know, I, I, we've said from the beginning, yes, it's a dangerous disease. Yes, people are, are dying, but um, that's no different than other diseases and other situations we faced in the past. So, I mean, C.S. Lewis got it right. Let's not fool ourselves by the novelty of our situation, thinking that something like this has never happened before. Our response to this is something that's never happened before, at least in U.S. history. So, so let me let me understand what you're saying. You're saying a narrower, tailored approach based on state to state from a federalism standpoint uh, would be at least palatable to a degree, depending on what it says. Yeah, I mean, let's just back up for a second here and say who has authority, right? Who has constitutional authority to deal with a pandemic? And 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 I think President Trump's done a fantastic job. He has not overstepped federal uh, power. He had, even with with a lot of people calling on him to do so, he's refused to nationalize and do all these things that some people wanted him to do. He did not have the constitutional authority to do so, and I'm glad he stayed within his boundaries and, and restrained. A lot of bully pulpit stuff, but but not actually uh, placing these orders. So we need to be very clear: it is not the feds that has caused uh, this situation. It is definitely state and local government. And even in the past, the states did not do as much as local government. It was generally dealt with, pandemics are generally dealt with on a local level. So big cities, sure, they implemented, you know, asking churches not to meet for a couple of weeks or, or, or big, you know, businesses where large gatherings would take place, not to do that. And, and typically, we've always been compliant with that sort of thing when you see a major threat. But this business of saying no one can go to work unless we deem you to be essential, when they start deciding the winners and losers, when they start applying things different to different groups, depending on who they think should be able to go to work or to meet, that's when you run into real constitutional problems. So, Rick, are, are you suggesting that something nefarious is going on with some of these leaders or, or you're from a government perspective? Or are you you're basically saying, look, I don't trust any of these people and right. why trust them even more in this case? Yeah, no, it's it's what the founders would have said was just the nature of man. They, they you know, they want power. And, and we've seen even you know, it's not just Democrats, it's Republican governors too. I've I, I filed suit, I'm part of a lawsuit against my own Republican governor here in Texas saying that he's violating separation of powers and violating the Texas constitution because our constitution says that only the legislature can suspend law. 
and we and, and it's this goes back to this is this is really why I say it's um, you know the, the biggest problem is our lack of civics our civic ignorance of history and the Constitution has allowed us to empower one person in each state to literally make and enforce law on the whole state well that goes against everything we believe as Americans in terms of federalism in terms of how constitutional governance should work but we've just sat back and let it happen. All of these states uh, need to have the legislative body involved, and we're seeing them start to do that, and we're even seeing legislatures already drafting legislation to change their disaster statutes to make sure this doesn't happen again. You know, Rick, my view is that fear is driving a lot of this, uh, this idea that, look, if we had a vaccine, if we kind of knew the end game here, if we had a sense of what was going to go on, then everybody would say, let's go. I'm talking about, when I say everybody, I'm talking about Christians and and people of faith and all that stuff. And they'd say, let's just move on. But I think fear has overtaken a lot of folks to say, look, since we don't know where this is going, we're going to hold back and and trust the government. And then we have a government as God situation. It it is very much that. And part of it is our, our secular society at this point where, you know, a lack of faith causes us to live in fear. You know, Christians should be saying, hey, I'm not given a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind. And think about sound mind in this situation. We're panicking and we're not having a sound mind. We need to just stop and think, right? If we just pause for a minute and really think through these things, look at the numbers, look at the history, look at the constitution, we would make much better decisions. You're 100% right. We're operating out of fear and that's causing us to make bad decisions and to kind of cower down and live with bad decisions from our leaders. But I do think you asked me at the beginning, is that changing? I absolutely think that's changing. I think people are waking up. Pastors are saying enough is enough. We're seeing our flocks hurting right now. More people are being hurt by the, you know, the cure than the disease itself. We're seeing the suicides. We're seeing the depression, the anxiety, the addictions. I mean, all of the negative unintended consequences that are coming from these, what I call COVID crackdowns. And and so people are waking up and they're saying, wait a minute, this is not right. Pastors are saying it's time to assemble. Uh, in fact, I love seeing some of these pastors that are saying, look, you know, we're, we're going to defy the orders. We're actually going to have some civil disobedience. I think civil disobedience is necessary at this point. It has to be done properly, peaceably, of course. Uh, in, in fact, I love the website, peaceably assemble, right? That's, that's what we want to be doing at this point. But we cannot save the Constitution if we don't know our rights. Th- this goes all the way back to John Jay, first Chief Justice. He said, every citizen should be studying the Constitution so that they know their rights, They'll perceive when their rights have been violated, and they'll be the better prepared to defend and assert them. You can't defend and assert your rights if you don't know what they are. And so knowing what that line is, what government should be doing, when we should be pushing back, and how to push back appropriately, that's what we're doing. That's why we're teaming up with, you know, Alliance Defending Freedom, Liberty Council, Kelly Shackelford at First Liberty. I mean, all these groups that are literally, they're already winning. They're already defeating a lot of these local and state orders. But citizens need to know their rights, and we want to help get them educated on the Constitution to do that. It makes you think of the Black Robe Regiment back in the Revolutionary War days. Those pastors, they were leading the way, and they knew what the Constitution at the time, and it wasn't even a Constitution (laughs) before it was the Constitution, but they understood what their God-given rights were. Uh, I'm wondering about that now, nowadays, uh, where pastors need to be today and a little bit more boldness from the pulpit. I, I hope it's a wake-up call. You know, that's one of the you know silver lining things here is that there's yeah. there's there is an awakening happening in the country, and pastors are becoming more bold. I hope that they carry that through to the point of doing biblical citizenship classes at their churches, constitution classes, getting people to understand the biblical foundations of our nation, the role of Christians as as citizens. That that when we render unto Caesar what is Caesar's in America, 
That means we play the role of Caesar. We are, we, the people are in charge. And when, and when we kind of, we buy into this separation of church and state thing to mean that Christians shouldn't have anything to do with politics, we hand it over to people that don't share our values. So hopefully the church will awaken and say, we're going to educate our people to be good citizens. And that means exercising our rights. That means we got to know our rights. Let me ask you one last question, Rick, uh, kind of a sweeping question about where we have come as a, or where, where we went to as a country. I mean, where we were compared to where we are today in terms of uh, the kids today not knowing, you know, anything uh, really yeah. about the Constitution. I mean, wh- why, why the dumbing down uh, of America? What has happened in this country exactly as to why, you know, people can't figure any of this out, especially the, the new generation, millennials, Gen Zers, all these folks? It's been a real failure of our education system. You know, you look at most state constitutions and they say the reason for public education is to have an informed citizenry. So you can choose good leaders so that you know how your system works. And yet now that's the main thing we don't teach. We don't teach civics well at all. I was actually talking to my wife last night about which vitamins to take and all of those things. You know, you want to boost your immune system. Well, no virus can get a hold of your body if your immune system is super strong in the same way as a culture and a society. We won't have bad government if we have strong civics. That's our immune booster. We need better civics in our country. And if our education system is not going to do it, we have to do it. That's why we do constitutioncoach.com is to teach every citizen how to be a good citizen, what are their constitutional rights, and then every citizen needs to be empowered to do the same. They need to be sharing with friends and family and teaching them. This is not complicated stuff. Is it? You know, it's, it's kind of like we need schoolhouse rocks from decades ago. We need that on steroids right now. We need to just come back and teach those, those basic civics, and that's what we're doing. We make it fun. You know, when we teach the Constitution, David, we do it in the room where the Constitution was framed. We actually filmed our Constitution class in Independence Hall. And the reason for that is to bring history to life. This stuff isn't boring. And, and people that have never thought about what are my constitutional rights or how do I defend and assert them, they're thinking about it right now. That's the good thing. We've got to wake up to civics right now, and hopefully the church will lead the way in that, and pastors are going to lead the way by opening up, being sensible. You know, one of the things that really bothers me right now is this narrative that some people are trying, to the left is trying to paint of churches that want to open as being like, you know, snake handling, don't believe in science, you know, crazy Christians out there that, that are just going to try, you know, kill their people. That is so false. That is not happening. All of these pastors are taking precautions, they're social distancing, they're doing whatever, you know, whatever is best for their particular church. They love their people, they want to take care of them, but they know that the church is needed and that we should not be forsaking the fellowship together, that we need to be gathering, and that the Constitution allows them to do that. Let me ask you one last question before we wrap up. The danger zone here. Look, churches open up and all of a sudden, what if the headlines become that there are indeed many, many cases uh, that outbreaks at churches? Uh, that we're doing the smart thing. And, you know, I mean, there's a danger zone here for at least from a PR perspective, maybe not a constitutional one, but this could go south if if this becomes even worse, especially major outbreaks at churches that are reopening. Yeah, you know, I would would even go further. I think the, the, the deck is stacked right now because there's going to be a second wave. There are going to be more cases. The numbers in many ways are going to go up no matter what we do. And most of the science and data is showing us the trends across countries, whether it's Sweden that didn't do lockdowns, It's all pretty much the trends are exactly the same. And part of that trend is going to be as people come out and do things, you're going to have the numbers are going to go up. And so pastors have to be prepared for that. And they have to be prepared to to say, despite those numbers going up, and most people are questioning the numbers and don't have, you know, we've lost some public trust because of the way they padded the numbers and cooked the books. Um, But but I think we fully have to expect that. The good thing is um, that the data and the science from the beginning, from the Diamond Princes to even now, 
Um, almost all of the numbers are staying consistent and staying the same. And if you will protect the most vulnerable, then we're not going to see the problems that people are, are most afraid of. But we need to zero in like a laser beam. The, the action and the protection needs to be on those that are most vulnerable, not on those who, you know, the kids and, and, and the other areas that we're seeing healthy people, 99% chance this thing's not even going to bother them. Uh, but I think pastors have to be prepared for that. The PR is going to get worse. They're, they're going to come as soon as these churches open up. They're, they're even claiming it on the ones that, that had drive-in services where you have no, you know, no, no possibility of catching the disease. But who would have thought we would see police officers writing down license plates to track that person and then even, then even require them to go into forced quarantine and take their temperature every day and call that in to the government agency, even when there's no evidence that anyone in that church had the virus. I mean, that's how out of whack we are. But it, but fortunately, we have good legal counsel in these different groups across the country that are standing up and, and fighting back and representing these these churches. Rick Green, an absolute uh, pleasure. You're a walking encyclopedia. I looked up American Patriot the other day, and there was your picture. Well, I thanks, appreciate, man. I appreciate thanks. it, sir. Thank you. You bet. God bless you. Keep up the good work. I appreciate Rick Green being here on the Pod's Honest Truth. We should put a quick addendum to that uh, interview that we just did. Uh, there is a new digital hotline that uh, Constitution Coach has started along with Pacific Justice Institute and also uh, First Liberty and Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, it's called Know Your Rights. It's free emergency assistance to Americans who are facing violation of civil liberties. I think that's going to be very important as we move forward. Uh, and once again, all you need to do is go to constitutioncoach.com and uh, they'll take it from there. Some final thoughts, and it, and it leads a little bit into, uh, or I should say what I'm about to say, uh, plays off of what, what I just talked about with this digital hotline. Uh, before we leave you, I, I want to give you a quick heads up about a looming battle over religious liberty, and it's coming soon, folks. Uh, we know that this week, the uh, First Liberty Institute actually submitted information to Congress that America's houses of worship fear this wave of lawsuits that they believe are going to force many churches to cease operating. Uh, they submitted written testimony to a Senate subcommittee, or excuse me, a Senate committee uh, this week, and it had a letter. It was signed by hundreds of pastors, rabbis, and priests, other religious leaders as well. And, and here's what it asked for, and here's the quote. It asked for immunity for religious organizations from negligence suits resulting from their service serving the public or reopening in accordance with local orders. So folks, that's the battle coming. Lawsuits, the church, coronavirus. Because the reality is if churches get socked with lawsuits, that costs money, right? Hello, we're in America. And while they may indeed win the battle, the church may win the battle of the actual lawsuit, they may end up, excuse me, they may end up losing the war by the amount of money that they're going to have to spend on defending themselves from the lawsuit. And that could end up with churches closing around America. Watch out for that. That storyline about to unfold as we move forward. That is the Pod's Honest Truth. Until next time, America. Mm -hmm.